Hi, I'm Rachel Dillon, and together with my husband, Marcus Dillon, we lead Who's Really the Boss podcast, where we highlight the joys and challenges of running a business with your spouse or family. Our mission is to strengthen families and businesses by helping listeners avoid the mistakes we have made so they can lead and live happily ever after. All right, welcome back to another episode of Who's Really the Boss? We have an extra special guest with us today, Bruce Burnt. Welcome, Bruce. Glad to have you here. Thanks. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. All right. So, uh, Bruce, we have known you for quite some time now and would love for you to do an intro. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thanks. Um, so, I'm Bruce Burnt. I'm the founder and CEO of a CPA and advisory firm, Burnt CPA. We're based in Madison, Wisconsin, and Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our primary focus is really entrepreneurs and the people that drive those businesses. Um, prior to that, I was a managing regional managing partner and a board member of a national CPA firm and lost touch with clients. And that's the reason why I wanted to start my own firm. That's awesome. So you are quite a bit further north than we are. So Marcus, <laughs> tell a little bit how we came to know Bruce. Yeah, um, the great thing is Bruce um, has... Whether he knows it or not, he's been somebody that we've aspired uh, to. He's somebody that is further ahead in his journey and that we can look uh, towards to kind of give a path for what we've done. Uh, we were introduced to Bruce through a uh, accounting membership organization. We were both members there, and um, Bruce has really continued to thrive uh, beyond what a lot of other people do that what we see uh, in accounting. I think Bruce has a lot of uh, accolades that he probably uh, won't share, but the Inc. um, 500 list a few different times. Also, Bruce has navigated uh, adding partners and adding team members, adding service (laughs) lines and not just your typical legacy CPA firm. So that's why Bruce has always been somebody that we have looked to and aspired to, whether he knew it or not. Um, So very proud to call Bruce a friend and have him today on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And Bruce, yeah, I don't know if you know that or not, if we've ever shared that (laughs) explicitly, um, but we do, we definitely look to you um, kind of to see what you're doing, to see where we need to go and Definitely, as we're thinking through things, think about you, think about your firm and, you know, how we can apply some of those same things. And so um, so with that, we like to ask all of our guests, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? So I know like we're all ears and lean in just to hear what's a piece of advice you'd like to share. Yeah. So so I think there's actually two things. Um, and, you know, everyone that is successful has somebody they look up to. And, and when I started my career, our managing partner um, in the firm, his name was Kurt Mangle, and he was really a visionary. And one of the things that he said was, when you're dealing with clients and try to grow a, farm, a, a firm, farm the farm. Now, obviously we're in Wisconsin, so you know farms are prevalent, but his point was, of your new business comes from existing clients. So 
why everyone spends forever doing everything for the 15%, focus all your services on the 85% and you'll be um, very successful. And probably the second one, which was one that was kind of our mantra when I started our own firm is basically Wayne Gretzky, again, I'm kind of aging myself, but he was, it was called the great one in hockey. Um, he, he said basically a good hockey player plays where the puck is. A great hockey player plays where the puck is going to be. And so from a perspective of, you know, how do we provide services for our clients? We need to know where it is they're going and anticipate that. And so that's kind of how we laid out our whole service line is to make sure we understood that and that we acted that way to be up front of it, not just doing what they need to keep the government happy. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. Those are really good. Yeah. The, the Wayne Gretzky uh, quote, I've actually heard that one, uh, even though we hockey's not that big uh, where we're at. So, uh, but a very, very profound quote for sure. So, well, and Bruce, what you've done at Burnt CPA uh, is is a huge feat, and I think the partners that you've uh, got there also add to that. Why don't you give us a little bit um, background on what you've seen over your career as far as just the industry changes from your experience? Okay. Well, I'm going to date myself um, significantly here. So when I started my career, there was no internet. So yeah, if, you can if you can imagine... Um, the, you know, how we operate today um, versus how we used to operate. But most CPA firms were all compliance-driven. So it was, you know, because the world was, they didn't have good information, didn't have good numbers. And so basically it's like, here's your audit, here's a review, here's a compilation, here's your tax return. And because you had to be independent to do those things, it was kind of like, hey, we'll see you next year. Um, as technology has changed, really the drivers of that compliance work have gone away because in most cases, most successful businesses don't need to have those compliance services anymore. They need the tax work. And so you know, we looked at it and said, we don't want, the very first thing we want to do is never be independent. And so... Once that went away in our minds, now we could become great business advisors. And so that was really kind of the change for the business that we're in. And I think the business you're in as well is really when we talk about outsourced and then we have this weird term called accounting after it, really, it's really outsourced everything. And so, you know, we want to try to be the major driver of businesses and make sure that whenever they do anything, they come to us. And so for me, it's really more in the, in the course of my career to get away from what I used to call autopsies, you know, because that was compliance work. You were always, always looking backwards. You know, today we need to look forward. That's great. How have you adapted to those changes? It would be so easy, especially given the first piece of advice as far as taking really good care of the clients that you already have. So it would be so easy to put your head down and just kind of serve them 
above and beyond, um, but not really adapt to technology, not really adapt to changes. So how have you kind of stayed at the forefront of that game? So, so one of the things that when you look at outsource accounting and the use of technology, many firms look at it as a transactional service. We never looked at it that way. We, we didn't even start in it until we knew that we had somebody on staff that could handle payroll. Because what we wanted to do is we wanted to be a 100% service provider and basically make it almost impossible to replace us. So that was, that was the first thing. Um, we also know that the people that are working with clients hands-on, they're the ones that see everything. And so if we don't train those people up on how to run a business, how a business is run. Um, so we spend at least 40 hours a year on training all of our team members on business issues, not just tax and compliance issues. Um, and I guess we all have a singular purpose. How can we make our clients better? And so it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, did we, did we get that journal entry right or did we record this right? It's really saying, you know, as a team, as we work to, with clients, we have to figure out how we're making them better. That's great. And I, I think we've seen a lot of the same shift that you have. It's when people stop paying you for compliance and start paying you for advice, that's whenever you know you've come full circle and building in the sticky services like payroll, like compliance, that's necessary to make sure that there is not an unexpected surprise down the road from doing that the wrong way because that um, – <laughs> That, that takes you off course whenever you have to address uh, those surprises. So I love that. Um, I want to ask yeah. one question, Bruce. I want to ask about sure. the training. I think that that's something, and we do have a lot of accounting and CPA listeners to this podcast. And I think training is something that we all want to apply in our firms, but not nece don't necessarily know how to do that. So specifically for business training, what are some types of resources or avenues that you guys take to provide that to the team? Yeah, great question. So, so what we try to do is figure out what's the most relevant to our staff. So, I mean, last week we had the preeminent startup firm, law firm in Wisconsin, came in and presented us basically two hours on startups. What are the issues of startups? Um, what do you need to look for? What are, how do they get funding? All those things that, that we do, but not everyone here does. And so, you know, if we have 30 plus people in a room to get educated. So we bring in, you know, so, you know, whether it's bankers on SBA lending, what the hell is going on with 8% interest rates? Yeah. Um, how do clients get loans? Um, so, it's really trying to figure that out. But guess what? The other big part is every year we ask our team members, what do you want to learn and how can we make it happen? And so, so we set that out a year in advance and make sure that we do it some internal, but mainly external because our team members, you know, we think that once we bring in resident experts, 
they're going to be able to ask great questions that um, to help them become better. Do you guys have designated time for that? Do you do it over like what would generally be a meeting time or a lunch time, or how do you kind of fit that in the daily schedule? Yeah, we we try to do it. Um, you know, we basically do it for lunch and learns, and so that's that's in general. And one of the things is we don't make it mandatory, but most people because it's something that's of interest to them, they want to attend. So um, yeah, provide lunch, bring in great speakers and um, make sure that it's relevant to not only our skill sets, but how we can apply it to clients. So that's great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. For, thank you for sharing that. I love, I love yeah. to always give the practical that goes with the ideas because sometimes you hear things and you're like, Oh, that sounds great. How in the world do we do that? <laughs> How do we do that with all of the other things that we have going on? Um, but I do, I do love the idea of one, you likely have people in your community already, already within your network that you can tap. And then also lunch hour, I feel like is always a good time to incorporate some of that. Or um, if you have, you know, like a weekly team meeting or something like that to take part of that time, maybe just extend it and make that a possibility because if you're not a business owner, you don't necessarily just get that type of training and that type of wisdom and experience if someone doesn't explicitly provide it. So whether you seek it out on a podcast, seek it out in a book, um, but to be able to learn with other people and ask questions and learn from the questions they're asking, I just think that that's so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other one of the other key issues that we've learned as we talk to teammates is, you know, for for people that are working remote, a lot of times they may have issues that are going on in the morning or early afternoon. That, um, but for in general, they find that noon is a convenient time. So so we're able to increase our attendance by having it at a convenient time for everybody. So that's great. Well, Bruce, I know that when you when you launched Burnt, you actually left another firm, and uh, you had made it, as most people would say, to the top of the uh, pyramid uh, within that firm. So, as someone that has also been in other firms and worked in other firms before launching uh, our business, what was you had mentioned? working with clients and keeping that connection with clients. What was it like? What was going through your mind? What was the different fears of going through and making that decision to leave that top of the pyramid firm and go out on your own to start Burnt CPA? Um, well, I think it, 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 it's really important to understand your why. And so, you know, I got into public accounting to really work with clients, and seeing the evolution, you know, really what I what I found is the higher up you went, the fewer clients you dealt with. So it's just kind of like, you know, I you know, so from that perspective, you know, I think that there were a lot of meaningful things that we did as a firm, you know, through leadership. But ultimately, I wanted to get back to working with clients, and so, and I was able to really define say, okay, if we're going to do this. You know, through my 
large firm history, I was an audit partner as well as a managing partner. And so I realized that, you know, starting a firm, I'm, you know, audits, you know, I, all I can do is compete on price and that's a losing proposition. So it was like, okay, I'm going to basically design a firm that works with entrepreneurs. And so that way, everything we do is that way. So it was a huge change because, you know, going from significant tools to less than significant tools right away were, was like a shock. But, um, but ultimately, I needed to know my why and understand. And, and my why was I like to deal with clients. I like to deal with staff on a more personal basis. And that really was not in my future without doing what I did. Yeah. And I also have that audit background and uh, you went from somebody that is focused on independence to somebody that does not want independence and wants to be side by side with your clients, making the best decisions for them per, you know, what you had said earlier. So that was also a shift for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was always one of those things where, you know, I could see things that I thought clients could do better, but we always had that line basically saying, you know, if, if we're independent, we can't cross it. And as, you know, in a position that I was in, I, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't for sure do it. Um, so, yeah, so eliminating the blurry line and now it's full steam ahead is we're never independent. Yeah, that's great. Tell tell a little bit about what those beginning days looked like. So how your firm started, um, and then to where you are now. So before before we talk about how you've been successful in growing this firm, talk a little bit about what it looked like in the very early days and to where you are now. Yeah. So one of the things um, I knew exactly where I wanted to practice because the market that we're in is a very dynamic, great market. Um, I'm a big sports person, so I wanted to be around Wisconsin sports. And so, um, but, you know, when I first started, it was like most people. It was like, hey, here's somebody who's going to pay us to do the work, bring them in. Um, and it was, you know, really, okay, hire great people, make sure that we continue to grow and then we can afford technology and we'll figure out the ideal client and all those things later. Um, but what we realized is we needed great infrastructure, great technology, and we invested in that and in people. And so changing the client mix happened really quickly, actually, because it was kind of like, you know, it was nice to say, hey, we don't want to work with you anymore because you're not being nice to our people. So, yeah, it was it was an interesting start, um, but really what it did is it helped reinforce to our team that, hey, we're going to get better, we're going to grow, and we're going to find the right clients, the ideal clients that will be fun to work with. And, um, and so that was where we headed, but it wasn't a straight line for sure. Yeah. Well, one thing that we noticed about your journey. And actually, uh, at one of the conferences that we used to all attend, I sat next to one of your uh, new partners at that time, Alicia, and she was giving me 
kind of the background on some of the things that had just happened in the firm. She was just admitted as a partner. So uh, that is a big shift to go from a sole founder, sole owner to admitting partners. And I believe um, you have multiple partners now. So tell us a little bit about that journey, going from sole owner to admitting partners. And if there's anything through that journey that you wish you would have known sooner, uh, what would that be as well? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things as we became a bigger player within the marketplace and we led with outsource accounting, all the big accounting firms basically said, hey, we'd like to buy you. We'd like to merge you and you can be our outsource accounting side. But I already knew, <laughs> I knew pretty much that that was not in our future because I came from that. And I don't, I, never, I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to get melded into something that I didn't like. So from the very beginning, it was like, okay, the succession of our firm comes with hiring and retaining great people. And so the person you remember, Alicia, I mean, I mean, I sought her out at a CPE conference. I said, hey, you need to join our firm because we can, I can make together, we can be a better firm. And so, you know, really one of the most important attributes that um, any great person in our firm has to come up with the mantra, the team comes first in, in, in everything we do. Um, and so what was great is people were good at working with clients, but what I wanted to do is make sure that they understood what it meant to be a firm owner, what it meant to have the responsibility of, you know, when you hire a person, you're basically hiring their family. And so making sure that they, everyone understood that we have to be a compassionate firm. We have to understand, we understand that, you know, what we do is not the most important thing in their life. And so when I found those same things in their, our other partners, it was kind of like, hey, this is great. Um, and so that's really how it worked in our firm, which is totally different than in a big firm, because in a big firm, it was like, okay, you had 1,600 charge hours, you have this technical ability, the firm could use you and this, and everything was me or my, and yeah, that was, that's not anything what we do. Everything is team. So, so they had to be team players. They had to be great with clients. They had to have good technical skills. Um, and understand that our individual success is only measured by the success of our clients and our team. And so that, that's really, if, if somebody doesn't fit that mold, then they would, first of all, they wouldn't be here very long. But second of all, if they are, then yes, once they're at a certain level, doing a great, great job for our clients and for the team. Yeah. I mean, they should, they should be benefit. They should benefit from the ownership um, of the firm. Well, and I, I think the other thing there is you also benefit from having team members that think like owners that are owners. Um, 
that can go alongside you and have some of the same goals because there is that shift whenever you do have a team member start to think like an owner or even become an owner um, just to share I hate to say burden, but uh, the burden of ownership <laughs> and what goes along with yeah. owning a business. Yeah, yeah, I know a lot of times they say having a partner is almost like entering into a marriage. And I feel like you kind of describe that in your partners need to have a shared or aligned vision and value system so that mm -hmm. making decisions together, leading together um, is more seamless than not. So I know that yeah. it's a huge consideration is actually knowing the person and not just knowing what they could do or what maybe they could provide. Yeah. And, and one of the things that our firm, I mean, I was on the compensation committee for our big firm for, for four years and I got to read, you know, we, we fill out individual evaluations on ourselves and, you know, we should have been about a $5 billion firm after I got done reading these because everyone accomplished so much, but it was their individual accomplishments. And so there's not one penny of compensation to owners that's based on my. So my book of business, my client, my this, none of that happens here. Everything is based on team. So if we're successful as a team, so so Marcus, if you could serve this client better than I can, you should be the one servicing it. And there should be no benefit or detriment for me to say, hey, you, you're better with this client than me. You should work with them. The problem is in most reward systems, it's like, kind of like, yeah, I know that you could service this client better, but I'm going to get dinged in my compensation. So I'm not going to change. And so... That was one of the major things I learned from my time on the compensation committee was if you reward based upon my, it's a self-limiting factor. So we, we have zero on that. So if you ask somebody here, what is your book of business? They, they won't, they probably can't answer that because that's not a fact that we look at. Yeah, so. no, it's good. Yeah. So Bruce, you've talked a lot about how important the team is and also how important the clients are to you guys and to your business. I want to touch on both, but let's go with clients first. What do your clients say they value most about the services that they receive? Um, I think a steady, you know, a steady course and approach to understanding their why and then helping them achieve it. Because not every client, even though they're in the same industry, their why may be, I don't want to grow. I just want to maximize profitability. And in five years, I want to sell my business. Same person, same business, different person maybe. I want to double in size. I want to sell my business in seven years. And totally different whys. So we need to understand what that is. Um, confidentiality, as goofy as that sounds, is huge because over my career, the two largest clients that I ever had the opportunity to work with were because other CPAs couldn't keep their mouth shut. And so it was like, 
you know, so confidentiality, we talk about that here all the time. And, you know, with, with, um, you know, with the access to information and stuff. And then I think the other big thing is forward looking. You know, we, we want to provide something that's going to help them get to their two to four to five year, whatever that goal is, um, make sure that we're aligned with them. So key is we need to know what that is. So we got to ask them, you know, there's, there's so many firms and so many client relationships where it's a once a year thing, twice a year thing. And, um, you know, you said a little bit earlier, um, Marcus, about a sticky service, you know, something that's going to allow you to have multiple reaches to clients. That That's really kind of what I think has um, helped us to be successful. That's great. Yeah, I know that just listening to our CFOs and, D- and DBA talk about the things they talk about with their clients, there is a high level of trust that has been built. So from the confidentiality, from the listening and taking measures to help that business owner progress along their vision, along their desires and their goals for their business or for their family, um, I know is huge. Just it, And I think it can all be summed up into it's a relationship. It's not a transaction. At that point, you have a relationship with these people and not just a friendship, you know, not just somebody that you can take to a sporting event, but somebody that can actually share the intimate details of their finances. That is not something that people just walk around talking to anybody off the street about. So to have that person that they know, I can go to this person, I can tell them what's happening, and they're not only going to listen, keep it confidential, but they're probably going to point me in a better direction than before I had the conversation. Exactly. Um, I mean, that's, I mean, what you're talking about is that relationship. I mean, every time you talk to, to a client, if you really care and listen what they're doing is they're giving you a roadmap to our success to make them successful. And so, you know, just listen. They're going to tell us exactly what they want us to do or where they want help. If we're not sitting there going, okay, I'm going to tell you how great I am. And look at this tax return. Look at line 18. This is like the best thing ever. <laughs> I saved you $10. I mean, it's just, that's not, that's not really critical to most clients. So. Yeah, no, I think the, the financial aspect is only one piece that is shared with us in those relationships. I mean, we, Bruce, you've probably been in these meetings as well where they lay on, hey, I'm getting divorced or I've got a child who's going through this issue. And they see you as somebody they can confide in, but also it allows you to say, okay, financially, we're going to have to navigate this and how do we how to prepare for this? And here's the tax implications on the other side of all of this. So yes, I appreciate you sharing this with me from an advisor standpoint, but from a human, we also have to support you and get you through this as well. So it's, it's really interesting, the positions that we've been in and I feel are called to be most of the time. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we talked a little bit about what the clients value most and with you and all of your partners having the team as a core focus of the business, what would, how would you describe your firm culture? Um, I would say caring, relaxed, professional, progressive. Um, and, you know, 
this is this is you know this is one thing that you know people who because we have so we've been in business now 13 years our first five team members are still all here um two of them left and came back um but you know one of the things that they always talk about is you know you know there's if there's a disagreement you talk through it um never yelling screaming it's really more of hey i respect you as a person um and really when we talk about firm culture you know sometimes you think you know um but last year we had um we we finally hit 35 employees so there's um there's a process if once we hit 35 within you know southern wisconsin you can have um the you know the best of and so it's 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 really a response that all team members respond and what we found out was of the i think there were 16,000 team members that filled out the survey um burn cpa came in number 2 for and and so many of the things were about team culture and so really it kind of helped solidify because what they do it right after tax filing is when they have a survey and we're going like god this is really a bad time to have a survey come out <laughs> because if you're ever going to have a little stress in your life that's probably when it's going to happen but uh so so that's when we found out hey people enjoy they you know they they think that the culture and how they contribute to it um is something that makes them happy so and talk about a great recruiting tool uh just the the survey responses alone and and the fact that you've probably got people that want to join in that team just based on all the good that is happening within versus most CPA firms across the country. Uh, that is not the case, especially after a tax filing. Yeah. No, it's, um, you know, it's something that really when we talk about culture, it's really the whole team is part of it. Um, and so it's really saying, hey, can we do this? This would be fun. This is something that would make sense. Um, and so, yeah, we, you know, we, we listen, we, we try to incorporate as much as we can um, and still understand that, hey, we're here to serve clients, but we're also here to basically make it as fun as we can. So that's great. Um, that's that's amazing success, Bruce, like <laughs> to have that type of retention, to build that size of a team and to still enjoy what you do <laughs> after after these years um, and a team that big is amazing. What would you say you can give three things, but you can give more than three things or less than three things. But what three things have contributed to the growth and success of your firm? Sure. I think, um, I think the people, I mean, you know, we start with, we have a great team and make, making sure that team members, um, understand, um, and we understand their why and make sure that in client assignments, CPE, that we have them able to really meet their why, um, so that that's one. I think number two, you know, we've been forward forward focused, and so 
you know, our clients are great referral sources for new clients. Um, but probably the last one, which was, you know, I talked about, you know, seven years ago, you know, at one of these conferences that, that we were all at, it was like, hey, define your ideal client and make sure you stick with it. And so as a firm, we, just, we, we did it. And we have a process that really every referral that comes to the firm goes through the same process, through the same person. Um, and so right now, we accept about 20% of all referrals or inquiries because the other 80% are not ideal. And so sticking to those guns helps make our firm better. It's better clients, better outcomes. Our team members get to work with the ones we want, um, not the ones who asked us to do the work. And so I think I think for that, and we've stick to our guns, um, you know, it, it can be, hey, this is a great business, but we already know that the people running the business would be really difficult to work with. It's not ideal. So so those are those are the things that I think that have made it successful and made it um, a fun place to be. That's great. Bruce, I'm going to ask one more question, and uh, hopefully it's it's a quick answer. It may not be. You may need some time to think about it. But what are you most excited about? in the next 12 months that will happen at Burnt CPA? We just um, brought on two very high level senior managers and both of them have great skills, but are different. And so I'm excited about how we integrate those two great new team members into our firm, into our culture, into our client base. And so, um, you know, in, in the war of talent, being able to get two great people, both starting within 60 days. So for us, it's basically because, hey, these people will allow us to grow, allow us to do better. Um, and, you know, having two more, two more great role models for all of our team members, I think, is really going to be fun. That's great. I love the excitement whenever a new team member starts and especially somebody as important as those two, uh, that it sounds like uh, we can only imagine 12 months from now, there's going to be great things, uh, greater things than uh, yeah. you are today at Burnt. So. I love that even in what are you most excited for in the next 12 months, it just goes back to your vision and values of working with people, having great people surrounding you, um, and that they're, they're the most important part of the firm. And so to to ask that question, you know, here and to be able to give that answer of people. It's always, the answer is always people. It's like in church, the answer is, the answer is always Jesus, right? Yeah, <laughs> so. no, exactly. Well, you know, if it's, it's our primary focus. And so if we, you know, if we stay focused on having great people, there will, your chances of having great outcomes are there. So. That's great stuff, man. Well, uh, Bruce, again, congratulations on everything. It sounds like um, there's a lot of good going on in Madison and um, can't wait to see what happens uh, from here on out, too. Well, yeah. thank you. It's, it's, been great to, um, it's been great to get to know you guys over the years because, again, everyone's on a different journey. Um, 
And sometimes, you know, getting, moving forward sometimes takes three steps to the side and then move forward. And, um, but I know that you guys know what your why is. And so that's why it's great. You guys are young and will be successful, already are successful. So appreciate that. Appreciate you calling us young. Like that, that's the highlight of the week so far. <laughs> when you, when you pass 40, no matter how far past, you don't feel young anymore. So yeah, appreciate that. And appreciate you taking yeah. the time to spend with us this morning. Thank you. All right, Bruce, have a good one. Thanks for hanging with us to the end of another episode. Leave us a review with your thoughts, comments, and feedback on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Join us again next week for another great conversation.